Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. This week, America is about to turn 242 years old. Isn't that beautiful? What we are praying for right now and who we are as a body and this company of people, and perhaps you're just warming up to us and becoming family or you're new, but really what we're praying and what we're declaring is, is truly an ultimate comeback for America. When I say ultimate comeback for America, I'm not necessarily talking directly in, in the immediacy of a financial comeback or all of those things that need to happen. What I'm saying is we need an ultimate comeback to the Father who's been waiting for this prodigal nation to return to Him. We all know that our prodigal nation has run far from the Father's house. But I believe, like many of you, that our prodigal nation is about to come to its senses, just like the prodigal son came to his senses and said, I must return home to the home of my father. The father was there on the porch waiting, anticipating that prodigal son to come home, just as our father is anticipating our prodigal nation to return and come home to him. He will be there because he's rich in grace. He's full of loving kindness and full of mercy. He's ready to rescue and save America and put a covenant ring on its finger and a robe of righteousness around our nation and brand new feet once again. Can you say amen? Come on, can you say amen? Do you believe that? We're believing for the ultimate comeback. This is going to be a very powerful week. Sarasota House of Prayer is going to be praying at the Tent of David this entire week. I will be on my way to Washington, D.C. very soon, right behind them, and we'll be at the tent, and we'll be in D.C. this week and have several strategic meetings with other leaders, and we will be praying for our nation. This is a powerful time, and we're really in a Kairos moment right now, and many of you know, you've, you've seen the news concerning our Supreme Court. When my wife and I, in February, we were with Dutch Sheets and CC Sheets and, and many others, Lou Engel, Cindy Jacobs, many other leaders there at the Trump International Hotel for the turnaround. And that was, a, that was a prophetic declaration. I've called it the ultimate comeback. When I, wrote, when I wrote Unstoppable and Unquenchable Fire, what I saw in the Spirit is what I came to term the ultimate comeback for our nation, which Dutch has been calling it the turnaround. At the turnaround event, it was prophesied that this shift would now come and in the Supreme Court, amongst many things that were declared and prophesied. But this shift now would come, opening not just one seat now that Kennedy has stepped out, but there would be two seats. And he's already brought in Judge Gorsuch. You remember this? We're going to see a total of three, and I believe I believe in our lifetime, we will see abortion abolished from America. I believe it. 
I believe it with all of my heart. And many of you in this room have been praying for this turnaround moment. You've been praying. You've been faithful. Long before we even stepped out of our living room to do this nine months ago, we spent nearly 16 months interceding for the election and for the turnaround to come for our nation. Please understand something. (laughs) I do not believe that President Trump is perfect. (laughs) I don't believe Brian Gibbs is perfect. (laughs) I don't believe any of us are perfect. I was, uh, I had a lunch with a, a very wealthy businessman in our city a few months ago. And when we sat down, we, we started talking. Within the first 10 minutes, he said, he said, Brian, he said, I was warned about you and I was warned about your ministry. He said, you know, not everybody speaks good of you. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm glad that's good. That's good. Jesus was the one who actually said, beware if everyone speaks well of you. But he was informed that I was not a man of God. He was told that I'm not a man of God because I pray for our president in our services. That was the quote. I want to lay some foundations on some things tonight that I believe are vitally important. This is not a political message. See, What I think we need to become are people that are very practical and very prophetic. It's not either or. It's both and. It's not, it's like ordering bacon or sausage. Glory to God. Order both. It's not either or, friend. I know this is deep. Go to the Hebrew and the Greek on this. If you want to order bacon and ham and sausage, glory to God, do it. It's not either or. It has to be practical, and it has to be prophetic. It has to be both. And so when you come into a company of people like this, and sometimes you feel almost like a, 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 prof, a prophetic and a political strand streaming through this body, it's because of this. For, for far too long, the body of Christ has believed that it was wisdom to shy away and remove ourselves from political matters. But the kingdom of God was actually always meant to shape culture, never to retreat from it. We have been retreating for far too long. I'm going to say this again. Because some of you think that revival is not about a political movement. I'm going to say it again. It's not either or. It's both and. What we're believing for here is first and foremost a move of the glory of God that is so transformational to our city and our region. Please say amen. That's what we're contending for and that we are all written together in that dynamic story and the dream that the Holy Spirit is dreaming for us. But we are also believing for a mighty wave of awakening and glory to come into the government mountain that will reshape the course of America's history. Amen? So this is a big deal right now concerning this appointment. And I know many of you have already begun to do your research. I know many of you are students and you're doing your due diligence and you're searching out the list of the Supreme Court that President Trump is going to be going through to make this decision. Can I implore you as your friend, as your leader, can I implore you, 
pray for our president to find the wisdom of heaven, the insight, the counsel, the understanding that he needs. In fact, I already told you to go to Isaiah 11. I'm just going to read it right now. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This tells us who the Holy Spirit is. This embodies really embodies and encompasses the glory of the Holy Spirit. Who the Spirit of God is, He's the Spirit of wisdom. He's the Spirit of understanding, Spirit of counsel. I want to give you this grid tonight because when you pray over your family, when you pray over your children, when you pray over your life, when you pray over our church, when you pray over us as your leaders, as you pray over our president, this is the grid I want to give you. And I want to put it into your spirit so that it becomes a part of who you are. This Word becomes flesh inside of you that when you pray for our president, you say, God, I declare the spirit of wisdom over him. God, I, dis- I-, I declare that he will have the spirit of counsel and the spirit of understanding and the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord upon him in this appointment. This is how you pray. Are you with me tonight? This is how you pray. It's how you pray over your relationships. It's how you pray over your marriage. It's how you pray over business decisions. It it incorporates everything. I want you to write this down tonight. What we gain by intercession, we keep by intercession. What we gain by intercession, we keep by intercession. Now, if I was preaching tonight about families, it would make a lot of sense because You can't just have a good day of investment with one of your sons or one of your daughters. You have to live a lifestyle of investing with them every single day. You have to invest your time. You have to invest love. You have to invest affirmation. You have to uh, give them correction. You have to give them discipline. You have to give them prayer. You can't just have one good day of fathering and one good day of mothering and hope that it all works out. It is a consistent thing, and all you mom and dads understand that. It is over and over and over, day in, day out, month in, month, month out, year in, year out, decades in. You never stop You never stop from being a father. You never stop from being a mom. What am I saying to you? I'm saying what we gain by intercession, we keep by intercession. What you gain, what does that mean? It means you and I are making an investment. We are making an investment for our nation. We are interceding and we're not letting go of contending. It's day in, day out. It's month in, month out. It's year in, year out. We have to be in this for the long haul. We are about to see generational transformation. We are about to see a true turnaround in the United States of America. We have been through a moral avalanche. We have been through so much lawlessness and corruption, but we are the praying church. We are the church that the gates of hell are not prevailing against. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church and the church that I build the gates of hell. It doesn't prevail against them. I want to say over us as a family, do not lose hope. Do not waver. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we faint not. 
We have to daily intercede for our, our president and for our nation. And thank God we have a president that loves America. My gosh. I want us to get a bigger picture tonight, and I want you to write this down. I want you to write down the word farmer, and I want you to write down the word rancher. <laughs> I want you to write it down, farmer and rancher. Holy Spirit, give us understanding. See, in a pastoral wineskin, I'm going to say this a few times. I want you to get this tonight, and I want us to keep getting it. I want to keep getting it. In a pastoral wineskin, a farmer tends to only his field that is right in front of him. Most farmers can only see and think about the field that is right in front of them. There is a difference between being a farmer and a rancher. A farmer will work his field that is right in front of him. He only sees those people, that field, that, that soil that's in front of him. A rancher is more of an apostolic model or wineskin or structure where a rancher is in charge of a multiplicity of fields. I'm going to say it to you like this. A rancher has to be responsible for a region. A farmer will be responsible for a field. He will see that field. A rancher will see a multiplicity of fields and how they're rightly connected and joined together. It's kind of like I'm kind of seeing the grid right now in front of me, how we divide counties. You see county lines. And it's really when you look at those county lines and how they fit like a puzzle, how they've been divided and how they've, we've got Manatee, we've got Sarasota, we've got Charlotte. Are you following me? And so it's how it's all put together. A rancher is not just seeing his little field. If we, if we were to Google where we are at right now, we'd look at 2320 Cattleman Road. 2320 Cattleman Road, you would find, uh, find 5.4 acres. We're sitting on 5.4 acres. This is a little field, Right? It's a little field. It's what we know. It's what we see. They built a beautiful facility, and thank God we get to pioneer a church in their facility. But what we're after is that we are, God, oh, help me, Lord. God is wanting to fill us with a vision of not just seeing what is in front of us. We have to see what is in front of us. But God wants to enlarge our hearts and enlarge our territory so that we together become ranchers. That an apostolic anointing and an apostolic vision comes on us so that we are able to see the dynamics of a region and a vision that the Holy Spirit is dreaming over for the kingdom of God. It is a kingdom vision. It's not just a church vision. There's a difference between a church vision and the difference between a kingdom vision. It's, like, it's much like being a farmer or a rancher. I say, God, enlarge us to be ranchers. I say, God, enlarge our wineskin so that we can see a greater capacity that we are written into something so great that is literally... I'm going to say it's not coming. I'm saying we have just walked into it. I really believe that, that we are in now the season of outpouring. We are in the season of rain, in the season of harvest. And the Lord keeps telling me, Brian, renew your mind, pray differently. He keeps telling me that, Brian, my son, pray differently. Son, pray differently. Declare you have now come into it. You have come into it. 
And that's why when we pray around here, we're not forecasting what is just to come. We're forecasting even if it is the size of a man's hand, the clouds are billowing. Come on. The clouds are bill. Come on. The clouds are billowing. We're not only going to see a turnaround nationally, we're going to see a turnaround right here regionally. We're going to see a turnaround in our field, in our ranch. Lakewood Ranch, respond to that in Jesus' name. I want you to go to Titus, Titus chapter 1 for just a moment. Titus 1. Oh, I want you to receive this. I've got just a few more minutes. I want you to receive this tonight. This is so important. In Titus chapter 1, I'm going to begin to read in verse 1 in just a moment. See, because right now we are just at nine months old, but the time is going to come once we crest over a year and maybe just after. The time is going to come for us to begin to set in place spiritual elders for this house. It's very important that we set in in place a, a New Testament model of eldership in this house. But what I want to speak to you about is not just elders for this house, but elders for our cities and elders, spiritual elders for the entire region. Some of you, the Spirit of God is brooding on you, and God is working in your life, crafting you on the potter's wheel, shaping you to become a a leader that you've, it's far surpassed even your vision, where the Lord wants to raise you up to become a mighty leader for the kingdom of God. I believe the Lord is preparing spiritual elders, and I believe, I I didn't plan on even asking Pastor Gene to come up here, but I believe it fits so very strongly. We are in desperate need, truly, in this region for spiritual elders to arise, and I'm going to get to that in a few moments. That's important. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which is according with godliness and hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie, just say that, he cannot lie, say it again, he cannot lie, he promised before time began, I love that, I want to preach on that the rest of this night, he promised before time began, you know, I'm just going to say this again, right now, What is going to happen to America is time is actually about to catch up with God's decree. And when it does, that's when we're going to see the ultimate comeback. Hallelujah. But has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me, to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, a true son in our common faith. I love that. Titus, a true son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Now watch these words. I love this. For this reason, I left you in Crete. Now who's talking here? Paul is talking to Titus. Everybody with me? A spiritual dad is speaking to a spiritual son. This is the reason I left you in Crete, Titus, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders, say it out loud, in every city. You see that? Appoint elders, say it, in every city. Now, we're going to go someplace with that rancher. Okay? Stay with that. You seeing that? In every city as I command you. I want us to get a regional perspective tonight concerning eldership. 
Because God's wanting to build an apostolic house here. Hmm. Are you hearing me? If a man is blameless, a husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dispensation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, not, or excuse me, excuse me, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithfulness, or the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort and convict those that contradict. What else does the Bible have to say about elders? I'm glad you asked. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Put it in your notes. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. It says this. It says, an elder must be skilled and effective teacher. He must be a skilled and an effective teacher who works hard in his studies and proclamation. Furthermore, to preach and teach God's word is the primary task of an elder. you got to see that. The biblical qualifications for an elder in a church, they got to be able to preach. they got to be able to teach. they got to be able to defend the word. That's interesting because when you put that up against the wineskin of what we know as elderships in a lot of American churches... Suddenly we find a biblical, an unbiblical wineskin that's being presented. America has been plagued, plagued with elder teams and churches who cannot preach, who cannot teach, who, who can't even defend the word. And then we wonder why people are so suffering and languishing in the church. I want to say this. I appreciate people with life experience. I appreciate people with wealth. But you know what? Just because an individual has wealth or they've got influence or they've got life experience does not make them an elder. And I'm not a greenhorn in this. I'm connected to a lot of churches in this nation. I don't talk a lot about it. I'm connected to a lot of churches in the nation. I will have pastors call me to tell me I have elders fighting against one another. Literally, I have elders fighting one another. I have an elder that went after another elder's wife. Brian, what do we do about this? And we had an elder stealing money. I'm telling you, I'm involved in these conversations, and I don't even talk about this kind of stuff very often. America has been plagued with elder teams that people have good life experience, people that are wealthy, people that have businesses. I'm telling you, there's a biblical mandate we've got to get back to. Elders in the house have to be those who can preach and teach and defend the word. Now, what am I doing right now? I'm not just talking about this field. I'm talking about us being ranchers. I'm I'm telling you, God's going to raise up spiritual elders for this region that are going to be able confidently to confront the battles that are ahead of us. God just doesn't want to give you a title of being an elder. He wants to prepare you because you're going to be going into some battles. Because I'm going to tell you something. The enemy wants to write a history on this region. He's got another story. He's got another plan that he is working on crafting all the time. 
He wants this region to be known for the LGBTQ. But this region will be known as a stronghold for the kingdom of God. A lot of people are scared of that fight because truth is highly flammable in this hour. And you got to walk very carefully and you got to walk with wisdom. You got to walk with wisdom. You got to walk humbly, but you got to be ready for the winds of adversity that are blowing. This is a word for the entire body. This is not just for about five or six or eight of you in this room, this is for everybody in this body. Wow. I want to say again, let's get a bigger picture. Maybe write that down. Lord, give me a bigger picture. Notice what Paul said to Titus. He said, I want you to set elders in every city. I love that. Because I've been thinking about elders in Venice, elders in Inglewood, elders in Sarasota, elders in Bradenton. I've been thinking about, God, who are you setting your anointing upon? Who are you freshly setting your anointing upon right now to be spiritual elders in a region who are going to be able to give authorization to the power of God and loose the kingdom? And I'm talking about every sphere of influence. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about government. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the arts and media. How this happens is we become a people that we begin to learn how to take responsibility for our city and our region. We take responsibility for a region or we, we step in to an anointing to become a rancher. I don't, I'm, I'm giving you language like this because it's easy to remember. I'm a rancher. You're a rancher. Get this tonight. Our God is looking for faithful sons and daughters. He is looking for faithful fathers and mothers. See, faithful sons and daughters grow up to become faithful mothers and fathers. That's so simple. But God is not wanting us just to have a very small vision that we're just responsible for our field or we're responsible for our individual families. We know we have to be responsible for that. Come on. But God wants us to get a greater heavenly perspective that we take ownership and we learn how to be responsible for a region or a county. When the Lord called me here, When the Lord called me here, he told me many things about this region. I still have the journal. I've written all of this in. This is many, many years ago. After hearing the Lord for several weeks of laying on the map of Florida, I was laying on the map of Florida and praying over Sarasota County. The Lord spoke these words to me. And, and folks, <clears throat> I say this, and the Holy Spirit's here. The Lord is here. He knows. He knows my heart. He knows my heart better than I know my heart. But he told me this, and it's the only reason I can tell you this, because he, he said it. He said, 
I'm not sending you there to be respectable. I'm sending you there to be responsible for the spiritual destiny of a region. Now, when I say that, I can feel it. But when he said it, I trembled at his word. And I still tremble at the fact that we've got to be yoked to a greater vision, a heavenly vision. He didn't send me here to be respectable. He sent me here to be responsible. There's a lot of implications to that, but I believe that's for all of us. I don't believe it's just about Brian. It's what I heard. It's about all of us. The Holy Spirit has a magnificent vision for our region. A magnificent vision. Ultimately, the reason why people do not sustain in prayer is because they don't feel responsible for their city and region. I want to say to you like this. You you will sustain in prayer for that which you feel responsible for. It's like this. Some of you sitting here, how long did you sustain for your prodigal son or your prodigal daughter? Think about that. What would you do? Day in, day out. Month in, month out, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Year in, year out. You were up late at night. There you were interceding. When everybody else was sleeping, there you were, three, four, five in the morning. Why? Your heart was attached to that son or daughter who was running, that brother, that sister who was running, that family. You are able to engage and hold on to something securely when you have taken responsibility for something or you've taken ownership of something. Does that make sense? The church, and I, when I say the church, I just this is what I mean, and I say it humbly. The church universally across the span, okay, there's been a lot of neglect when it comes to us being responsible for the ranch. For the ranch. The, the larger vision. Because we haven't yet been possessed with a vision for a city and for a region. I remember, uh, I remember when Terry and Sabina first came into victory. It was May of 2007. They walked into Victory. This was a church that I used to formerly pastor. <laughs> but they came in, and it was in, I don't know how many months, but Terry, Terry's told me this time and again. He said, I remember coming into Victory, and something came on me. That's how he describes it. And I realized at that point that I had to step up and become responsible. There was a responsibility that I started feeling so strong for a region. For what God wanted to do. Did I say that right, Terry? What I desire for all of our lives, and for me included, is that I stay yoked in that kind of yoke to become a rancher. So that when I'm praying, I'm moving throughout this region. I'm interceding. You know, we, we just had a bomb threat, you know, down in Port Charlotte. Many of you knew about. We went right into intercession for that. 
It's amazing the alerts and the social media and how we're all connected, how suddenly, boom, we can move into a realm of prayer and shut down what the enemy is trying to do. I want to encourage you, I want to plead with you to beg you to become a man and woman. And I'm not talking down to you. Many of you are already doing this, but I'm saying let's step up to a greater measure. To say, I have to engage on a level that is for our region, that I take ownership, I feel responsible for what happens here. 2 Kings chapter 4. Put it in your notes tonight. I'm going to give you some keys right here. 2 Kings chapter 4. And I've got just a few more minutes. And I mean that, just a few more minutes. Here's the story. The story is about the prophet Elisha. The, the story is about a widow and two sons, okay? And what is happening here, number one, the first thing that we, know, we learned is happening, creditors are coming to take her sons to become slaves. Why? Because there is a debt that has been left behind by the widow's husband. That's the first thing we've got to learn about the story. Who is coming? The creditors. Why are the creditors coming? There's debt, I'm preaching prophetically. I'm preaching practical, but I'm preaching prophetically. Her husband is gone. Her covering is gone. So the creditors are coming, and what are they going to do? They are going to take her two sons, and they're going to put them in the slavery. That's the first thing you got to know about the story. The second thing you got to know about the story is, is that the widow cried out to Elisha, the prophet, for intervention. I want to say, say it to you like this tonight. The woman began to appeal to heaven. Because in those days, the anointing in the old covenant, the anointing in the new covenant, the anointing's on everybody. It's on, it's on the youngest to the oldest. Every one of you are anointed by God. But in the old covenant, who was anointed? Prophets, priests, and kings. They were literally the move of God in the earth under the old covenant. And so when the widow began to appeal to Elisha, basically what, what was she doing? I'm giving you some different words. She was appealing to heaven. She cried out. She was the one moved in intercession. The next thing you need to, to know is that the prophet, the prophet partnered with the widow and that there was supernatural supply and resources that were given to pay off the creditors most importantly, to save her sons from becoming slaves. You see, you see the emphasis that I'm, I'm bearing down on, on the weights? Remember, he said, go and get every vessel that you can. Go in behind closed doors. Shut the doors behind you. Who saw the miracle? Elisha, the widow, the two sons. Who saw the miracle? Elisha, the widow, the two sons. It was behind closed doors, and they started pouring the oil, and the oil went into one vessel, and it kept pouring, it kept pouring, it kept pouring. And there's Elisha. He's, he's moving. He's partnering with God. The, the, the widow, is, she's there interceding. She's watching. Her sons are watching. The oil goes to one vessel. It fills up two. It fills up three. It fills up 20. It fills up third. We don't know. And then when finally there was no other vessel to fill up, the oil ceased, but the miracle took place. Who saw the miracle? Four people. Behind closed doors, miracles happened. Now, here's the emphasis. What did that oil do? It paid off her debt. But more than paying off her debt, what did it do? 
It saved her sons from becoming slaves. A generational blessing came into her family. Come on. Come on, folks. I'm preaching to you. A generational blessing, what Jerry was saying when he was standing here. I'm like, my God. We haven't even talked. A generational blessing went into her family. They went from bondage now to freedom. I want you to notice this next point. She was the one lifting up her voice in intercession because her sons were heading into slavery. And I want you to get this tonight. Because make no mistake, the enemy's making plans for this region to come into bondage and slavery. And if we do not hold on and hold fast to the Lord and become ranchers with the Lord, we could lose ground. We don't want to lose ground. This is the season of us taking ground and advancing and getting the title deed to the fields and to the land. This is our time. This is our time to advance. And God is raising up spiritual elders. He's raising up a spiritual praying church that's actually going to take the land. Y'all okay? It's a quiet Methodist church, I'm telling you. I was preaching at a church that was so dead, a woman in the back row had a heart attack. The EMS team came. They carried out five rows of people before they found the right person. I'm just kidding. And I'm not saying our church is dead. I'm saying you're quiet. Some of you just look at me like, hey, hey. Brian comes and really talks to us. We had a guy tell us. I had a guy tell me that. He goes, man, I've never been in a church where you just really lay it. And I was like. Okay, okay. I was with a family in our, in our body tonight. They're serving in kids' church. and I, They brought up something Terry said to us in a, in a cell group several, several months ago. And he says, when, when, Terry said, when we actually launch, we need to be the people who help others get acclimated to hearing a word unfiltered. That means we're laying it. <laughs> We're laying it. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? Twelve of you are with me. See, if you've ever been to the call, if you've ever been around a guy named Lou Engel, who's a true prophet, and he's a true prophet that God has raised up, Lou, Lou is leading a movement where people are not, they don't just come to the call for 12 hours to stand before the Lord and just have intimacy. And intimacy is great. I mean, that's just what we did. Intimacy with the Lord. But you go to a call. You go to that kind of a movement. And they're not there just to have intimacy and tell the Lord how beautiful and majestic. Yes, they do that. But what they begin to do is they're there to fast and pray because they have taken ownership and responsibility. What for? For the prophetic destiny of a nation. For us to stay on course and get back on course so that we have a course correction, that we have a course correction. I'm not being political, folks. I'm, I'm being biblical and prophetic and practical. 
We as spiritual elders have been set in this region. God has, he has laid out Acts 17, the boundaries of our habitation. Acts 17 verse 26. God has laid out the boundaries of our habitation. He has called us here. He has anointed you. He has called you here. He has put purpose within you. But it's not just a little field, ladies and gentlemen. It is a heavenly vision. And I've only seen about a snow cone worth of an iceberg of that vision. And I'm still asking God, God, give me greater vision. Give me greater vision. I don't want to think small. I don't want to live small. I don't want to be small. I'm not talking about numbers. But I will tell you, when you study the word glory, all the words for glory, glory means to increase and be fruitful and multiply. We want to multiply the kingdom. It will never be about how many butts we can get in the seat under a roof. It will never be about that. It will be about how many people we can get full of the Father's heart to go forth and change a region. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. See, I believe this is vitally important for victory. To see a bigger picture. That God is grooming spiritual elders for such a time as this. And it's, it's time for us to be very courageous so that w- we ask the Lord, Lord, show me a greater vision. Let me see differently. I want to I use the word again, discipline me. Lord, discipline me. That, I'm not saying the Lord's coming to correct us. I'm saying the Lord's coming to instruct us and teach us His ways. That's what discipline means. The Lord would come and He, he would show us and teach us His ways how we go about this. I want to say again, every region of the United States of America has different levels of warfare in it. Okay? Would you look this way for just a second? Every area of our nation and different regions have different warfare going on in it. I could go back to our message of last week. I don't have the time to do that. The way that the Lord is going to cause us to sustain victory and have an ever-increasing increasing trajectory of victory so that it's ongoing is that we war from a place of understanding that the victory has been won. When Paul commissioned another son whose name was not Titus, he commissioned Timothy. And he said, I want you to wage a good warfare through the prophecies that were spoken over you. Everybody remember that? He said, this is how you do it. How do you do warfare? You take what God has said, you believe it, and you keep declaring it. And you may have major headwinds. You did it over your son. You did it over your brother. You did it over your sister. You did it over your prodigal son. What would you do? You waged good warfare over them by declaring, Lord, they shall not depart from your house. They shall not depart from the kingdom. I call them back into the kingdom of God. I call you to rescue them. Why? You took responsibility. You took ownership. It's the same thing. When you take ownership, when you take responsibility for the ranch, for the fields, for the region, for the city, for the nation. And you do not relent. And you say, God, 
Do whatever you need to do in me to make me effective. We're just people, folks. We're all flawed. We're all, we're all going through our stuff. But God wants to use you and me together to do something supernatural. I'm going to close. I want to read you something, and then I'm closing. And this is going to sound very pastoral. (laughs) I pray it does. I wrote this. The atmosphere of our nation right now is permeated with grief, deep animosities, intense emotions, and wrestling convictions. The political spirit is continually twisting and hijacking for its dominance. Friends, I want you to be encouraged because I want you to be careful what you allow your heart or where you allow your heart to go each day. Be careful what you allow your heart to meditate on and soak in. Your heart needs the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to say our region needs the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. Our our region needs the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the exact opposite of the spirit that is now trying to dominate the world. Your heart needs to be very alert and discerning. Your heart needs to be sensitized and it needs to be tenderized continually by the love of God. Your heart needs to be secured. Your heart needs to be protected in the presence and the peace of the Holy Spirit. Your heart needs to be anchored in truth so that you do not find yourself drifting in this land of confusion. Remember today, your heart belongs to the Lord. Steward your heart. I'm going to say it to you tonight. Take responsibility for your heart. Take, respo- take ownership for your heart. Stop allowing all the fear And all the panic and the anxiety. No, believe the word of the Lord. Wage a good warfare by declaring our ultimate comeback is coming over our family, over our children, over our children's children, over our church, over our region, over our nation. This is how we do it, folks. Do not allow your heart to be contaminated by the pollution and the noise of the world. Do not be conformed to the spirit of this age. I'm called to the church mountain. That's where I'm called. Some people are called to the arts and media mountain. Some people are called to the government mountain. Wherever the Lord has called you and put a fire in your heart, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. But folks, guard your heart. For out of it flow all the issues of life. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Let's take it another level. Why don't we commit to guarding the heart of our city? Why don't we go a a step further to, I'll step up and guard the purity of my region. 
I'd be willing to step up and do hard things even when it will cost me my reputation. When people won't like me, when people will think you're just being prideful. You're just being arrogant. You just think you just really think you're something. People will think that of you. I want to say to you, look, I'm engaged in some battles right now. I've never felt, my wife knows me, we've talked about this for weeks, I've never felt like I'm a guy who carries around a big stick just wanting to hit people and put people in line. When I was young, I'm young, I'm young now. (laughs) When I was very young, I never dreamed of being a leader, and I'll tell you why. I never saw myself as a leader. It's true. I never dreamed of being a leader because I never saw myself as a leader, Sky. I didn't want to stand in front of people. I was scared to death to do it. I never saw myself as a leader. Now I fast forward. I've been with my wife 24 years, 23 years of being married, 26 years of being best friends. And I've been engaged in a lot of battles. I'm in, I'm in a lot of battles for other people's destiny and other people's inheritance and for the inheritance of our own region right now. How we do it, how we win, is we do it with humility of heart. We do it with love. We do it with courage. And we do not compromise. The enemy is trying to write a different story for our region. I say, with you, not on our watch. No. No. Not on our watch. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.